This is a reading out of uh, Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. So if you've got your Bible, if you want to open it up, if you've got it on your phone, you can do that now. Okay. It says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, the right time, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now been received now received reconciliation. Family, bow your heads and join us while we pray. Father God, thank you so much for this time and joining all of us together, Lord. I pray over those who are with us and those who could not join us today, Lord. I pray over Matt and his preparation of our message. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to hearing and receiving his word today, Lord. I thank you and I give you all the honor, glory, and praise. In your holy son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to see um, some familiar faces and some new faces. We are so glad uh, that you are here. Uh, if you're new here and we haven't met, please um, introduce yourself to me afterwards. I'd love to get to know you. And it is, it is my desire that you feel welcome here, that you feel like you're a part of the family. And so um, be sure to talk with me and introduce yourself to anybody else that, that, that you meet and make sure you stick around and join us uh, for our, our time of fellowship, our, our barbecue that we're going to have um, afterwards. To bring you up to speed, uh, we've been going through a series uh, called The Disciplines of Grace, uh, or Habits of Grace, rather. And, and what we've been focusing on is experiencing Christ through spiritual disciplines. And today's message, we're talking about experiencing Christ through celebration. Have you ever thought that celebration would be a spiritual discipline? I like that. I think that's good. And we're going to talk about what it is exactly that we're celebrating and why it's so important and how powerful it is to change your heart and your life. Now, I want to start with this. I got my start in ministry by accidentally becoming a Sunday school teacher at a Baptist church. God tricked me into it. That's how it played out. At the time, I was much younger I had much more hair, much less body mass. The class that I was given was called the college and career class, which we had to rename because no one went to college or was going to college, including me. I learned a lot about ministry in those days, mostly by just being with people in their suffering. We live in a broken world, don't we? A messed up world. 
It affects all of us. And we can't get through this life without suffering. Nobody gets a free pass on suffering. You're either going to suffer in the right way or the wrong way or, or you know, for good reasons or bad reasons, but everybody suffers. Now, there's one particular couple that I remember that stood out to me, Mike and Tanya. They were so enthusiastic about this little community that, that we formed, and, and they were just fun to be with and so encouraging and, and supportive. And I remember when they got engaged, and they, I was honored that they invited me to participate in, in their wedding ceremony. A few weeks before their wedding, Mike started to feel a pain in his lower abdomen. They decided to get married, go to the honeymoon, then see the doctor when he got back. The doctor told him, that he had cancer, and that he only had a few weeks to live. Devastating. To Mike, to Tanya, of course, and everybody who knew them. Mike was in and out of the hospital until he was set up with hospice care at home. And my father-in-law was the lead pastor of that church at, at that time, and, and he had called the house to ask Tanya for Mike's hospital number, but Mike answered the phone. And my father-in-law said, Mike, you're home. And Mike said, not yet, but I will be soon. He knew that he was on his way home to be with his heavenly father. I want that hope to be real for me. I want that hope to be real for all of you, anybody who is listening to my voice, anybody that you all come in contact with, your friends and your family. I want that hope to be real to us. Him having that hope shaped the way he lived what was left of his life. He was still deeply wrecked and grieved deeply with Tanya and his friends and family, but he also somehow encouraged others. He never lost his sense of humor or his faith. How could he do that? I mean, what did he have? He had what the Apostle Paul calls the hope of glory. That is what makes the difference. And I want that to be real for all of us like it was for Mike. Because only then, only when that becomes real to you, only then can you really live with true joy, no matter what this messed up world throws at you. In the first part of Paul's letter, he tells us that it begins, having this hope of glory begins by being right with God. Not by obeying God's commandments perfectly, because none of us can ever do that, right? But it is by believing in Jesus, who obeyed God's commandments perfectly for you and gave you the credit for it and then died for the penalty of our sin and gave you the credit for it. Now Paul tells us about this, the beautiful benefits of that. And the one benefit that he emphasizes is the hope of glory. 
knowing that at the moment you die, you will be with your loving heavenly Father so that you can have joy and confidence in this life no matter what. Most of the time, we spend our time trying to not think about death or try not to think about how messed up this world is. It's a life of, of denial and maybe numbing ourselves. But the Christian hope gives you the strength to face it and have a stronger faith and to be able to celebrate the hope of glory no matter what. This really is a hope that we can celebrate. And Paul tells us three reasons why we can celebrate the hope of glory. If you're taking notes using the outline uh, in your bulletin, this is the first one. The first reason we can celebrate the hope of glory is because your hope is powerful. The Christian's hope is so powerful that even intense suffering cannot weaken it. In fact, instead of weakening your hope, your suffering can, can lead to more hope and a greater hope and a stronger hope. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? You would think that suffering would just discourage you. But this is Christian hope we're talking about. We're going to look at it in a second, but first, Paul needs to show us three benefits of being right with God. First benefit of being right with God is that you have peace with God. Do you ever feel like God was just out to get you because you messed up? <laughs> well, Paul has something to say about that. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, made right with God, declared right with God because of Jesus, we, because of that, we have peace with God. Not just the peace of God, like an internal feeling of peace, but the objective fact that we have peace with God. Meaning, the hostility that we created between God and us have been removed in Jesus. If we put our faith in him, that's the hope that we have. And the way you feel about it doesn't change that objective truth and fact. It's true no matter how you feel about it. Secondly, you have access into God's grace. Paul says, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand. Meaning, not only do you have peace with God, you also stand before God in grace. Meaning, you're not just good with God now. You're loved by God. And next, this is the one that he emphasizes, you have hope of glory. This is where all of this leads. He says, and we rejoice, we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. This is why Mike could say, I'm not home yet, but I will be soon. Do you see what's happening here? These benefits right here deal with your past and your present and your future. Do you see that? If you put your faith in Jesus, God deals with your messed up past by giving you peace with him. And in the present, you stand before God as your friend and you look to the future, you are joyfully confident that you will never face judgment but be welcomed into the glory of God because Jesus paid it all, amen? Now, if that doesn't make you want to celebrate, nothing will, all right? It does not get better than that. This is why we celebrate. Now, this leads to a critical question, right? What good are these benefits if we're still suffering? 
How can a Christian say, I'm at peace with God, he's my friend, and when I die, I'll be with him because of Jesus? How can we say, how can we say that when we're still suffering in this messed up world? Well, it seems like Paul knows that we would ask that. And so he focuses on the power of the Christian hope. It is so powerful, and this is next in your outline, it is so powerful that it enables you to celebrate in your suffering. Now that might sound a little confusing to you, right? Celebrate in your suffering. About a month and a half ago, I was watching, I was washing a large, sharp kitchen knife using this scrubber with the short handle that we've been using lately. I was in a hurry. I misjudged contact between the knife and the brush and sliced open my finger. I wasn't like, praise Jesus. <laughs> Cut open my finger. I'm going to have to have some stitches. So I wrapped it up and eventually healed. Last week, I was washing a sharp knife with a kitchen brush with a short handle. And guess what happened? I did the same thing in the same way. I told you I'm only as smart as I look. <laughs> I did it again in the same spot. And I was like, praise Jesus. Let's celebrate Jesus. So what is this talking about? Because that doesn't sound, it sounds crazy. Well, verse 3, Paul says, not only do we celebrate in the hope of the glory of God, but we rejoice and we celebrate in our suffering. Not celebrate, this is still crazy, okay? I'm uh, he says, not celebrating despite our sufferings, but because of our sufferings? Sounds like he's lost complete touch with reality. But he goes on to say, we would celebrate in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. He says that the Christian hope is so powerful that your hope grows through your suffering. Mike heard his life was cut short, but he ne we never saw him complain, get angry, or anxious. Not that anyone would blame him for that. Not that he didn't struggle. But his hope was so powerful that his sufferings led to perseverance, and his perseverance led to character, and his character led to a greater and stronger hope. And it's greater and stronger not only in himself, but also in the people around him. It multiplied to other people. That is the hope of glory. That is how powerful it is. So the Christian's hope is powerful. Now, how can we know that this is not just wishful thinking, right? How do we know it's not wishful thinking? That's the second main point in your outline, outline which is your hope is certain. Let me tell you something. The English word for hope is pretty weak. Like, I hope the Padres win. You can't count on that ever. The word here translated as hope means conviction. It means what is sure. It means what is certain. English word for hope is like wishful thinking. 
But the biblical word for hope is grounded and rooted in the promises of God who always keeps his promises. He's proven that over and over and over again. And our assurance that our hope is certain, the assurance that we have is found in God's love for you. And you see that in two ways. First, you know God's love in your heart. Paul says here in verse, in verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Every single Christian has the Holy Spirit, so every single Christian has some inner experience of God's love. And sometimes it is a strong experience of supernatural reassurance and peace. Other times... And sometimes, most of the time, it's subtle. But either way, the Holy Spirit is still with you. Second, you know God's love in the cross. If you ever doubt God's love, you look to the cross. It's a picture of how much he loves you. Verse 6, he says, For while we were still weak, at just the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? That's you and me, right? All of us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says, here's how you can know God's love. Jesus died for you. This is not just some theological concept or some sappy sentimentality. You can know God's love historically, objectively, tangibly. In Jesus, God became man and loved you so much that he gave his life for you. Paul says even when we were rebelling against him, he died for us. Therefore, you can be assured that God loves you. Those who experience God's love in their hearts the most are the ones who think the most about God's love on the cross. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of your circumstances, no matter how painful or horrible they may be, you can know that God loves you, amen? All right, so maybe I buy into the fact that, that God's love won't fail, but I'm pretty sure I will. How can you know that you'll make it? How can you know that you won't lose your salvation, right? That brings us to our last point. Your hope is fail-safe. That's a word we don't use very often, but I like this word because fail-safe means guaranteed not to fail, designed to automatically compensate for failure. Your hope is fail-safe. And why is it fail-safe? Because it is designed not to depend on you. It depends on Jesus and Jesus alone. 
You know, there are so many Christian pastors and teachers and Sunday school teachers throughout history and around the world says, now you don't want to be doing that when God returns or else you probably won't go to heaven, right? Or if you don't confess, you know, you confess your sin before you die, you're probably not going to go to heaven. Maybe you'll be saved, maybe you won't be, and you're wondering, you live your whole life in fear, God didn't give us a, a life of fear, but a life of freedom. And that freedom is found in the assurance that it does not depend on you. It depends on Jesus. It, de it depends on our triune God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Unshakable. Verse 9, he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, made right with, declared righteous before God because Jesus died for our sin and paid the penalty. Therefore, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. In other words, if that seemed a little wordy to you, let me break it down for you. If Jesus was willing to die for us when we were his enemies, it is unthinkable that he'd lose us now that we're his friends. Amen? If Jesus is such a powerful savior, he could save you by dying, he has the power to keep you now that he's alive. God is saying that your salvation is guaranteed to not fail. It is designed not to depend on you. It totally depends on Jesus. Now let me ask you something this morning. If, if you dozed off, wake up, listen to this question I want to give to you this morning, okay? My question is this. Do you have this hope of glory can you say with my friend, Mike, you know what? When I die, I know I will be going home to my heavenly father. Do, can you know that? Do you know that this morning? I mean, since it all depends on Jesus, all you can do is trust him to save you. That's it. And if you do, it doesn't just save you. It changes you. It changes your life. Maybe you're suffering right now, and it's brutal. It is relentless. You don't see any light at the end of a tunnel, and you need God's joy. You need his love. You need, his, you need the confidence of God that cannot be crushed. My encouragement to you is to put your trust in Jesus today. Do it now. He saves you and changes you and gives you the ability to celebrate no matter what gets thrown at you. In the eyes of an all-holy God, I, Pastor Matt Ortiz, I am a moral failure in light of a holy God. The truth is, we all are. But God... In his grace, sent Jesus to live the perfect life I could not live and die the death I deserved so that through faith in Jesus, I am right with God. That can be true for you too this morning. If you trust him, 
Trust him today. And look, this is not just some get out of hell free card, right? I'm saved by grace. I can do whatever I want now. No, this is a gospel truth that changes you. It changes your life because it changes your, your heart. You don't want to live for yourself anymore. You want to live for, for the king who lived for you and died for you to save you. You want to give your life. You want to be loyal to him. You want to love him. And you know what? Maybe you've, maybe somebody you know, it might be you or somebody that you know where you saw somebody put their faith and trust in Jesus and their whole life has transformed. In fact, they even look different. They carry, their, they carry themselves differently. They have different priorities. They live for God and others now. Have you seen that? That's evidence of, of God's grace, right? The people who say no one ever changes has never met God. <laughs> They've never seen the power of the gospel. <sighs> so you can celebrate the hope of glory too. And when you do, you will have great joy. Joy in the teaching that you're made right with God, not through your own effort, but only through faith in Jesus. And you won't be able to get over the fact that you stand before God as his friend, robed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Second, you won't be crushed by your past. Instead, you'll say, you know what, it's amazing. God loves me despite everything I've ever done and the mess that I made and the people I hurt. He loves me with the same love that he has for Jesus. Man, God's grace really is amazing. And then you'll start each day with confidence. You know, maybe you've had like that little voice whisper in, in your ear. How could God possibly love you? You know better. That's the accuser rubbing your face in it, right? And, and you don't have to get defensive and say, well, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. That's not good enough. Or, or you won't say, you know what, I was under a lot of stress. I'm, I'm sure God will let it slide. Or I'm, I'm, I'm better than most people. I know I'm better than Aaron. Go talk to him. You won't have that perspective. You'll say, no, even though I am far more sinful than I ever imagined, because of Jesus, I'm far more loved than I ever dared to dream. And then finally, you'll be fearless. You'll be fearless about your future. Because you know whatever comes your way, God will use for good. And when, when death draws near, when death comes knocking on your door, you'll have peace because you know that you're going home to a friend. I'll close with this. At my funeral, if you're there, I want you to remember something about me. Of all the things that you might remember, I want to make sure that you remember that I deserve the wrath of God I could not save myself. I could not be good enough. None of us can. But instead, 
I'm celebrating because now I'm with Jesus, because of Jesus. I know that can sound offensive to some people. I get it. It just means that that you don't yet understand that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. It just means that you're not a, a Christian yet. So I plead with you. I plead with you, don't blow this off. You can have the hope of glory. You can know God as your, as your God, as your king, as your friend. And, and my encouragement to you this morning is, is, is if you feel the Holy, if you feel God drawing you to him, he's already at work in your heart and your life. So talk to a Christian friend, a brother or a sister. Talk, talk to me or one of the pastors here and, and, and let me know how we can help. Put your trust in Jesus. Follow him so that you can say with certainty, when I die, I know I will be going home to my heavenly Father, and then you can face whatever this messed up world throws at you. This is the hope of glory, and this is why we can celebrate today. Amen? Amen. Amen.